You're listening to Adam Air MD GED. Suck it to me. Underground Cartoon Therapy. What's up, guys? <laughs> this story is about my Uncle Jeff. And, uh,. What a fucking awesome-ass life this motherfucker had. As far as the stuff I knew, I'm going to share it with you. Because <laughs> he was too legendary not to go down noticed on some level, dude. I'm going to tell you about it. Ugh. I'm listening to, if you haven't fucking figured it out by now, David Bowie, The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the spiders from Mars. The year I was born, 1972. UFR Lord, David Bowie. RCA Victor, it's an SF-8287. LSP-472, UK release. Vinyl LP album. It's in very good shape. (laughs) Goes for about 50 bucks. This my my uncle... (laughs) I've tried to tell some people, man. He was a fucking roadie. And he knew motherfucking everybody, man. I am not fucking shitting you. Some of the shit I'm going to tell you tonight, if you're fucking under 18, you better fuck off. Don't fuck around and listen to this shit. It's not for you, motherfucker. This is some 18 and over ass shit. My uncle's a fucked up cat. And you know, maybe you can handle it, whatever. It's not the fucking point. Don't fuck off. My uncle would just prefer that you weren't. <laughs> oh, man. This is a great album, man. He left me his entire four boxes of records. And I'm going to roll some of his favorites out of here, man. And it's such a fucking eclectic commit. Just collection. We got about, we're talking about, you know, 300 albums. And that's not even an nth of what this motherfucker had. I'm going to tell you the whole fucking story. Motherfuckers, this is a great episode, but... My uncle was was a, was a great dude, man. I'm gonna tell you some personal shit. <laughs> There's a lot there, dude. Fucking rock and roll. Oh my god, listen to that. Flawless wax. The covers seem better days. I'm glad you could join me tonight. Brace yourself. (laughs) Fucking awesome. Alright, here we go, guys. Fucking A. Oh, man. The Great Iron Maiden story. (laughs) It is a fucking story, man. And it's kind of how the whole record thing started with my uncle, you know? Uh, man, pretty intense shit. 
you're listening to Iron Maiden Somewhere in Time. The track is uh, Wasted Years, if you didn't fucking know that. We're probably not very good friends. <laughs> 1986. It's a Canadian SJ12524 release, Capital. Worth about 25 bucks. Very good shape. Not for sale. <laughs> So there used to be this uh, department store in Akron, Ohio called Zare. And Zare turned into Gold Circle, which was basically Kmart turning into Big Lots or some bullshit. Just a, de- a degression and fucking whatever, you know. But they had the records. And it wasn't this Iron Maiden, it was Killer. And Killers had uh, come out in the UK. And unfortunately, it wasn't in this collection, dude. And um, a lot of records. None of his Motorhead, you know, none of his uh, none of his shit. I'll tell you a Motorhead story here in a little bit. Off a copy he used to have, but that isn't in the collection, so I'm not going to lie to you. It's just going to be Motorhead off of a, a different song on a different track. I'll tell you the Motorhead story. But it was like 19, I don't know, 81. And I, it's the first time I ever saw Eddie. And I was like, oh my god, that looks so fucking cool. And I remember holding up the copy of Iron Maiden's second album, Killers. Mom, can I get this? My real mom, not Grandma Gutterpunk who adopted me all. Just making a clarification on that. Grandma Gutterpunks, my mom. But, uh, my, uh, mom mom at that time, my, 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 uh, Uncle Jeff's sister, <laughs> was a Christian fundamentalist, dude. Fucking totally out to lunch. And I held up the Iron Maiden record, and I was like, dude, can I get this? I didn't say dude. I didn't even know the word dude yet. And uh, I was like, hey, can I get this? And uh, she's like, put that goddamn fucking thing down or I'll rip your fucking eyeballs out. Motherfucker, this shit echoed through this department store. My sister just stood there petrified. Everybody was looking at my mom like she was a fucking psychotic. (laughs) They weren't wrong. Man, (laughs) every Sunday, and it was Sunday... We had to go to fucking church and all this shit. I hated it, man. It smelled like Ned Flanders. My Uncle Jeff never went. He's like, I liked how he said it. Why cru- we crucify somebody weekly? <laughs> no. <laughs> I was like, he's got a fucking point. The kid's got a point. Anyway, that same day, you know, after we got out of Gold Circle, and I did not get the Iron Maiden record. We went over to Uncle Jeff's house, Grandma and Grandpa's house. As soon as I saw Jeff, he's like, holy shit, dude, have you heard this? No. And pulled out a copy of Iron Maiden Killers and threw it on. And that was the beginning of the records. (laughs) And it just kept going. It just kept going and... uh, I remember he would let me read all of his easy reader, easy, I mean, uh, easy writers, sorry, easy readers, they were easy reads, for an easy ride, 
He had all kinds of shit, all kinds of porn. He didn't care if I looked at it. I remember he whipped out this picture of Wendy O. Williams sucking on his dick and showed me this shit. That was eight years old. I already told it on an episode before, but <laughs> this is the appropriate episode to really tell it on. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget it. Them both flashing the devil horns. And I knew my uncle was a rock god, man. <laughs> I was like, that's fucking rock and roll, motherfucker. That is goddamn rock. Oh, man. My uncle was a trip, dude. I found this promotional copy. He had the promotional copy and the uh, original copy. It's 1980. Total prog rock, man. May not be your bag. <laughs> it's not necessarily shit I listen to, but this episode's not about me. It's about my uncle. And uh, this song is called, uh, what was it called? Cosmic Crusader. Lucifer's friend, by the way, in the 70s was like heavy, like pentagram shit. And really predated uh, Dio and all this other shit. This is not the same shit here in 1980. This is kraut rock, dude. <laughs> Prog rock. Anyway. It's like a $25 album. <laughs> Lucifer's Friend promotional Sneak Me In. It's a vinyl LP put out by Elektra. It's a 6E265-1980. Very good. And it's a specialty records pressing. <laughs> My uncle get all this shit, man. Well, I think he did more roadie gigs with more stars. And don't judge him off his whatever he's listening to, you know, man, because that's pretty bullshit. And, you know, the motherfucker had, like, some great-ass taste. You know, um, just like shit across the board, man, really gave his heart to music. I knew he was just doing whatever he wanted to do all the time, you know? And he was kind of this guy who just did everything he wanted to do all the time. <laughs> you know, we'll explore different segments and shit. But some of the bands that this motherfucker wrote it for was Deep Purple. We'll play a Deep Purple cut off here, I guess, for him because, you know, like I said, it's what he wanted. He loved it, man. I got some shit coming up that's pretty awesome. I'm not the biggest fan of this. <laughs> I'll be honest. You know? I remember when I first... When I very first, like, uh... Hung out with him in the... And I remember, like, I was old enough to remember. And he would always have something new on, man. But he had... I don't know, Jesus, I mean, it's like a record store full of shit, man, that he got from every fucking metal band that came through. He did Metallica, too. He was with Motorhead, and I don't have, there's not even a fucking Motorhead album. It's a damn shame, man, I know the motherfucker had all of them. 
He had fucking just crazy shit. You know, it's a bitter end how it ended for my Uncle Jeff, dude. It's a bitter end. And he had a pretty, pretty carefree fucking life, man. <laughs> he lived in the uh, basement of my grandpa's and grandma's house in Ohio, out there in Clinton, Ohio. His whole life. And that's where he died. And he did fucking everything a rock star could ever do, man. And he never played a lick of music. I know he wanted to. <laughs> he couldn't, though, man. But everybody loved his ass, dude. Well, <laughs> you know, there was a few people that didn't have his back, I don't think, you know. And, but he was a classic character, man. And, Hard to break in from the beginning, but I guess this is a good start. All right, hold on the fuck. No more prog rock, I promise. <laughs> thing about like doing shit for people it just fucking was this thing that he just naturally did and I think that's how he knew everybody you know because he was very personable and he was like really friendly he's like this like you know shorter dude and he had these like wild eyes man and he had a smile and just laugh all the time it was just almost maniacal I remember in the early days. <laughs> oh, man. By the way, this is a Rocky Erickson and the Aliens. The Evil One. And uh, this uh, track's called If You Have Ghosts. This particular uh, copy came off 415 Records. And it's a 415A-0005. It's a 1981 U.S. release. In the high end, this motherfucker's going for about buck sixty to a buck sixty-five, believe it or not. And it's a beautiful copy, man. Not a scratch on it. The covers, yeah, it's not bad got that normal, hey, it's been in the shelf for fucking 40 years, <laughs> but it's a 1981 U.S., and uh, this particular copy goes for about 80 bucks, if I ever let it go, which I won't, <laughs> it's not going to happen, I'll tell you what, though, man, my uncle, he would do anything for you, if you needed a hand, and he could do it, he was just there to do it. Outside of all the shit, great shit we're going to talk about that he did do, these were the greatest things that he ever did. And I think he would agree. He would have his way uh, to really help people out. Even though my grandparents would yell at him all day, 
and my great grandma would too, chase them around the house with baseball bats and rakes. I remember the early days. <laughs> they lived in the basement, he didn't have to go too far to escape, man. <laughs> he was a collector, and he collected everything. He collected fucking pretty much everything, dude. Alright, let's carry on. Thanks, Rocky. <laughs> My uncle had a biker gang. <clears throat> he built his first hog when he was in... He started in elementary school. And, uh... He used to take the gold stars that he got on his fucking side of his, uh... On his homework, you know, he tried to do purposefully really good in school so he would get those gold stars because that was the only place you could get them was on your homework. And he'd peel them off his homework and, like, shellac them to the side of his gas tank. And he had, like, you know, 13 or 14 of them. He was like, look how many times I was smart. No! <laughs> Motherfucker had Tourette's, dude. So every time he had some shit, you know, to say, and it was always some snarky shit, dude, like, he'd say, no, <laughs> at the end of it, man, no, like, hey, no, oh, no, and just had this crazy thing, it was usually no, like, oh, no, <laughs> it's crazy, I remember he got on his bike, and I remember I was, the first time I was so little kid, you know, and my mom didn't want me to be on his motorcycle, and he wanted me to ride with the gang, you know, and I got to meet all the gang. There was Miller, Gary, Newston. Uh, there was a bunch of these motherfuckers, man. But Gary and Miller were the two ones I really remember the most. I ended up making the three of those, the heads of the Center Road Rats, Newman. That was a dude's name. Robert, Lil Dave, bunch of motherfuckers, you know. Just crazy cats, and so they ended up calling themselves Center Road Rats. Which, by the way, that's the name of this song. Actually, it was uh, uh, Road Rats, and it's off the. Uh, um, which one is it? Roadie. It's off Roadie from Warner Brothers. It's a two HS three four four one. Two vinyls, LP album, it's a compilation with a bunch of motherfuckers on there. Roy Orbison with them and Lou Harris and uh, Pat Benatar, Blondie. And the high end of this motherfucker is a whopping six bucks. And it's not even in six bucks condition, but I still wouldn't sell it. My uncle loved Edgar Winter, man. And Johnny Winter. This is the Edgar Winter Group. It's uh, 1972 CBS, a KE31584, and a BL3158 on the uh, Matrix. <sighs> they only come out at night. <laughs> My uncle had a thing about st stealing cars. I think he found this kind of legal way to steal fucking cars, you know? And I think that, you know, <laughs> he would do favors for people sometimes when he didn't want to. 
and uh, he had money coming in, you know. It was like these days of like where you could make money. My uncle made a lot of money, dude. I remember he just always, yeah, that's worth 500 bucks, that's worth 400 bucks, that's a $300 fucking da-da-da-da. We had uh, eight acres of, of, uh, of uh, land out there in Clayton, Ohio, that my great-grandfather, my great-great-grandfather built this house in 1938. My uncle lived in the bottom of it for fucking his whole life. My grandma was born in it. My great-grandma was uh, already about 20-something years old when my great-great-grandfather built it. And my great-great-grandma's pure Blackfoot Indian. Native. And that runs in my family. It's not really there so much, but there's just enough there. But really, these guys are a bunch of white motherfuckers, man. My uncle was definitely white. And I don't mean anything by it, but I'm just saying, you know, he was just a white dude. <laughs> And uh, he was a metalhead, and he loved fucking music, but he loved fucking cars too, man. He'd work on a motherfucking car all day. So I remember one time we took a ride up the road, and uh, I remember him like uh, saying, "All right, see that car over there? Go stand at it." And he goes, "Air catch, no." <laughs> and I got the keys. And I was like, what do you want me to do with these? He's like, I can't drive two cars at once. And I was 11. Never told my mom that was a, a thing we started doing. <laughs> Take these little rides. You know, go get a car. If you owed my uncle money too long, he's going to come get your fucking vehicle, man. That's just the way it went. <laughs> He had eight acres of shit. You know, well, we had, you know, four acres of fucking wood, so like four acres were just filled with cars all the time. I remember his mom, my grandma, Jeff, get those goddamn cars off the lawn. We told you already. That was my grandfather. Told you already, God damn it, Jeff, fucking. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Go out there. He'd get on his bike and just ride off, you know. Those were the uh, heydays, man. <laughs> when he was gone, you knew it. <laughs> My uncle was an artist, even though I don't think he would ever admit it. The song Vincent from Don McLean. 1971 American Pie <laughs> Legendary shit, man Copy is a UAS-5535 From United Artists Records The Rainbow Collection It's a vinyl LP album From Pittman Pressing It's about very good It's got two copies They're both in the same damn shape <sighs> My uncle I saw him doing art a few times, you know, but I think that, you know, his real art was 
in mechanics, you know, and taking a piece of shit car and turning it into this beautiful thing. And definitely restoration to me is an art. <laughs> and he had the mind of an artist, you know. <laughs> Fucking motherfucker. I remember he just had some crazy tastes in uh, art and the way that he had set up his room, you know, it was just this classic metalhead fucking room, you know. <laughs> he really was a Vincent Van Gogh. I don't think he knew how to use his heart the, the right way. I think he had a great heart, don't get me wrong, but he helped people, you know, and shit, but I don't think he understood. I don't think he understood that it was driving him mad, too. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I wanted him to, to come rescue me when I was a kid. Because I always thought he was this tough dude, you know, and he had the biker gang and all that shit. And I thought that he should come rescue me and come beat the fuck out of my dad, you know, for being this dick who beat up on his sister and I never knew why he didn't ever do it. I guess I had some unresolved anger at the end. I held on to it for a long time. I wish I would have told him. I remember he had all these rock star memorabilia's. He had a pair of John Lennon's glasses that John Lennon gave to him in like 77 or some bullshit. I don't know how it even happened. I remember I loved him so much. I stole him, you know? And then I brought him back a few weeks later. And it was very hard for me to tell him that I stole him. And I told him why. I was like, I just wanted to be like you, dude. He really put the backbone in me as an artist. It's hard not to break talking about him. I mean, he means so much to me, you know. I just wish he would have rescued me. Hated my dad, man. And in a way, I hated my uncle for not rescuing me the way I needed him to. But he was an artist. And all of us artists are just eccentric motherfuckers. <laughs> when I was a kid, Evil Knievel was the shit, dude. If you don't know who Evil Knievel is, go the fuck and look it up. Meanwhile, listen to this motherfucker. Okay? This is Evil Knievel and the Evil Knievel shock-absorbing stunt cycle. You can make him do wheelies, backstands, even mid-air somersaults. And for that big jump, here's Evil, up and over that four-foot ditch. Evil Knievel sold separately <laughs> or with the Evil Knievel stunt cycle from Ideal. Fuck yeah. What's up, dudes? Well, here's the Evil Knievel fucking story, which connects to Iggy Pop, Iggy and the Stooges. Which is what you're listening to. 
Iggy and the Stooges, Raw Power, Columbia, it's a KG3211, CBS, Sony, it's a vinyl LP from 1973, fucking high end's about 180, this copy's worth about 75 bucks, not for sale, <laughs> so my uncle and the dude in his band, you know, they would trade records all the time. And uh, Gary was dating uh, this uh, chick. Apparently, it was Evil Knievel's uh, daughter. And Jeff was like, come on, let's go. I was like, where are we going? He's like, get on the bike, man. And we got over there. And uh, Gary was hanging out with this. You know, everybody was young back then. I, they all looked like giants to me, but she was like this blonde-haired chick, you know. And she had uh, just regular old blue jeans on and a t-shirt. And motherfucker, here comes this guy with a blue old flannel on and a pair of blue jeans and some boots. And he kicks up and he goes, How you doing, young man? I'm Evil Knievel. My eyes just went, Ugh. I couldn't fucking believe it. I was like, what in the fuck? I was like, holy shit, it's fucking Evil Knievel. <laughs> and Gary and Jeff and his daughter started laughing and Evil Knievel started laughing. Thought it was the best shit on earth. We had some beer-battered frog legs. I do remember that. And I remember them cooking it up in strows and making the batter. Hmm. That's what you did back then. And it was just a pleasant dude, Evil Knievel. <laughs> I went back to do some research on, uh... One of the stories from uh, stevemanage.com, you can check it out, it's from uh, Tuesday, May 11th, 2010, and it's talking about, from the Stooges, the, uh, the authorized and illustrated story, and it's Iggy Pop describes this image taken from the shoot of their first album where he's like dropping out of the sky, so... I didn't want to just be posed there because we were a band that moved. So I got the other guys huddled together and decided to jump over them like evil Knievel <laughs> over the fountain at Caesars, <laughs> which he fucking crashed miserably if you go back and look it up. Basically, he got stitched up, you know, but it continues to say, you know, uh, Kurt Cobain even said, that his two favorite guy, uh, stuntmen were Evil Knievel and Iggy Pop. <laughs> Gary gave him back his Iggy Pop album. Designed my line of AMF Roadmaster wheels. I said, make them red, white, and blue to bear my name, Evil Knievel. You can see they're built solid, flashy, and hip, and the bikes come with these safety tips that bear my name, Evil Knievel. <laughs> kids are thrilled, I know just how they feel. These wheels are real exciting and bear my name. Evil Knievel. <laughs> the tragedy is that there were no motorheads in my uh, collection here from my uncle. He had the whole fucking collection, man. To be rest assured. I remember, uh... <laughs> the greatest rock story, though, was one of the greatest rock stories I've ever heard. My uncle uh, had a friend named Joey, 
And Joey was like this troublemaker kid from Cleveland that Jeff really liked a lot, dude. Um, Dangerous Minds ends up writing an article about the same story I'm going to tell you. It's just from that kid's point of view, Joey. <laughs> this dude I never met, man, you know? You're like, ah, Joey. Yeah. No. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, man. It, there's an article about it. You have to go looking it up. How Motorhead became the loudest band in the world. <laughs> and it split everybody's ear open, man. And it was at the Variety Theater in 1984. And they did. They made Guinness Book of World Records. Two years before them, it was Manowar. And at that time, my uncle had roadied for Manowar. But where they broke the loudest band in the world, they kicked the Who's ass or whatever. It's in the article. But my uncle fucking, you know, the, when Manowar came to Cleveland, he was there for them then. And then he was with Lemmy. And uh, he was roadieing for Motorhead. And I guess Joey had tried to get in that way. And, my, and Jeff was like, no, nah, man, I can't get you in, dude. You know, he's like, he said he made, he bragged about it. He was like, ah, he made a fake laminate. And snuck in, dude. Told me the whole story that <laughs> the guy's fucking batteries had fucking died on him and he was all pissed off and he got drunk and Lemmy was like, ah, come on, man. I guess the fucking Variety Theater got the shit shut down on him. Because they were in the middle of fucking playing right off this album in 84. And my uncle had the cool-ass Motorhead fucking real laminate. Which was badass. Oh, man. He had Man of War. He had Deep Purple. He had Pat Benatar. He had, uh... Iron Maiden, for sure. He had two Iron Maidens. Two different tours, man. Motherfucker, this was insane, you know? Wendio, like I said. <laughs> he knew them all, man. But he said, uh... Yeah, man, they, they played so fucking loud that the fucking ceiling cracked. And pieces were falling on people. Reminded me of some Metalocalypse shit. <laughs> Thankfully, it wasn't some great white shit. And people at least walked out somewhat. The motorhead trashed their fucking ears. And uh, my uncle said, Yeah, man, I couldn't hear for a fucking week, dude. I was like, No way! <laughs> the good days, man. Yeah, you can go back and uh, read that article. I don't know when they put it out, man, but uh, it definitely verifies my uncle's story. Ear splitting motorhead. Probably one of the greatest rock stories I've ever heard. My uncle had them all, man. He fucking roadied for Frank Zappa. 
Yeah, all kinds of shit, dude. Just knew everybody. I can't sit here and drop a bunch of fucking names, dude, but I definitely can verify that fucking story, man. 1984, man. Cleveland, Ohio. Fucking A. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my favorite time with my uncle, man, was, you know, the end of uh, the last years I lived in Ohio before I moved away from him. I was about 12. And I remember I was like nine years old. <laughs> now I was still wearing footy pajamas. <laughs> It was snowing out, you know, and uh, my uncle like <laughs> woke me up, you know. And he's like, "You still wear footy pajamas?" No, <laughs> I'll never forget. <laughs> he's like, "Grab your coat, let's go." And I was like, "Huh?" It's like two or three in the morning. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about, dude. I was like concerned, you know, because I never really had experienced anything like it. <laughs> It was snowing out. It's like all gray, black out. Motherfucker. <laughs> Pretty intense stuff, you know? Any, um, <laughs> this is a, one of the, definitely one of the tracks that would come on this juke radio station that he would blast at about three in the morning, two or three in the morning, and wake me up. And I think he was coming back from the biker bar, you know, called the Iron Girdle. <laughs> the Iron Hog, or whatever. I called it the Iron Girdle. I can't remember what it's really called. The Iron... whatever. Some biker shit. Akron. Probably shouldn't even drop it, dude. Anyway, uh... <laughs> you know, he was a frequent there, man. And I'm pretty sure the guy liked the tie went on. But I never really saw him drink or anything. He never drank in front of me, you know? But, you know, I know he went there a lot, and I ended up having a beer with him later on in life, you know, but when I moved away, I moved away, away, you know, so I really just have these memories from when I was like that young, 9, 10, 11, 12, and then I was gone. That was it, but my, uh, I remember that was like kind of my first sip on a flask, and he had the heater blasting in this old Toyota car. I don't know what the fuck it was. He just blasted the heat. Yeah, man. And then eventually, you know, after some time went by, I'd be the one like, hey, you want to go listen? Waking him up at one. He's like, yeah, it's a little early. <laughs> I think he'd like to hit that wee hour, motherfucker, man, because he liked this one show, I guess, whatever. Coming out of Cleveland, in which... uh he scored, he must have had friends there, you know, because he scored a bunch of promo albums in here, man, that are just only promotional, in the particular Moot the Hoople, promotional, first pressing shit, I haven't even appraised it yet, I'll tell you later, maybe, go look it up, Discog, you know where I'm getting my shit. I know I just had the best time in the world sitting there with my uncle in that cold-ass fucking car at night. <laughs> it would just be like blasting the heat. I almost wanted a cigarette then. 
Now I'm trying to quit. Ugh, that sucks. Because shit like this really makes you want one. <laughs> but my uncle didn't smoke, so, you know, I'll take a lead from him, you know? Man, I'll try to smoke just a little bit less weed, you know? <laughs> my uncle, he likes sports a lot. And he watched a lot of TV with me. And he taught me a lot about all kinds of shit. There was this one time I ran away from home. And, uh... I don't know how it happened, but I ended up in Cuyahoga Falls. Man. It's not too far from Akron. But I was like 10 years old or some shit. I'm not even sure how I got there. <laughs> That's kind of a scary thought. <laughs> But I remember my uncle coming out there, and he tracked me down. And I was like, oh wow, how'd you find me, you know? And he didn't really answer it or anything. He's like, instead he was like, hey, check this shit out, dude. I can throw a rock all the way across this lake. And we were at this huge-ass lake, you know? I was like, no, you can't, Uncle Jeff. He goes, oh, yeah. And motherfucker, he just, boom. And through this fucking rock, man, I mean, I, I've never seen anything like it, man. Just fucking went the fuck out there. I'm going to try to get my cousin Nathan on the show and uh, listen uh, to some of the things he had to say about my Uncle Jeff since he knew him a lot longer than I did, you know. And I had left home and all this other shit, but Jeff, uh, Nathan was around circumstance, left him to be around my actual mom and uh, Jeff. I'm not going to talk about my mom, but I will talk about Jeff, and we'll get Jeff on there, you know, and see how Nathan says it. By the way, you're listening to uh, Funkadelic. Uncle Jam wants you. <laughs> uh, what is it? It's a Warner Brothers 1979, September U.S., BSK3371. Monarch pressing gatefold. Pretty great shape. Nice copy. I fucking love it. That's a great album. Eh, high end is about 60 bucks for it. Mid range is about 20. You know, it's about a $20 album. Like I said, NFS, motherfucker. This is the end of the fucking show, man. I wanted to keep it short and sweet. This is how I'm closing it out. My uncle did a lot of shit for a lot of people, man. He helped out a lot of elders. He helped out a lot of people who just needed help with fucking money. In the end, it wasn't cool how my uncle fucking died. I thought it was disrespectful. No one was there for him. I didn't know he had multiple cancer shit. Bladder cancer. And I didn't know that he, uh was surrounded by meth heads while he was taking hydrocodones. When I went back and I did the uh, research on the autopsy, it doesn't match up, dude. And I don't want to talk about it because it just smells like fucking foul play. And that shit fucking pisses me the fuck off, man. I don't want to go there. It disturbs me too much. And it very well could be the reality. You know, days in Akron, Ohio were fucking not for the weak. 
you know, it was a rough fucking spot, man. You know, a lot of places in America are. But Akron, Ohio was definitely this place of rock and roll. My uncle was the antithesis of it, dude. You know what I thought? Just, he was exactly what was rock and roll about that whole fucking area. I'll never forget when we had this fucking family reunion. And... I guess, yeah, you gotta rewind it back to 69, 70. Uh, the black community out of Akron and Cleveland decided to go ahead and start the first all-black, first 1% MC uh, called Zulu Nation. And my uncle became friends with him, man, you know? And uh, I remember my uh, mom was all like, we gotta go over to my mom's house and... It's a very sensitive day and da 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 and all this shit. I don't know what the fuck was going on. Motherfucker, it was anything but sensitive. There was 300 Zulu Nation in this fucking yard. It was unbelievable, man. They needed my uncle's help to fix some fucking bikes on the spot. And they all threw down and my uncle had what they needed. And Zulu Nation just showed up in my grandma's fucking yard. It was incredible. There was like 300 fucking bikers in that fucking yard. I mean, we had like a big-ass two-acre wide, eight acres back. You can do the math. My uncle was a good dude. He fucking helped out whoever. You know, to hear how he died was disgruntling, but what I really had is just a bunch of memories from when, he was a, when I was a kid. I guess he would have been a lot younger, too, man. Well, guys, I just do, I do just want to close this up, man, and let you know, my Uncle Jeff was an important dude. I didn't want him to just go down without getting some kind of notice. I don't want to talk about how he was disrespected in the end. I felt like he was. If anything else ever comes out about it, you know, I'll let you know, but... Some things you just gotta close the book on, man, or like in this case, you need to take the record off. And uh, I wanna thank everybody for spending this time with my, uh, me and my uncle. <laughs> He's a good dude. My cousin Nathan, I, I almost had him on here and he just got cold feet. But Nathan knew him as well as I did and was there for him when I wasn't, you know, and I was away. And I didn't really know what the fuck was going on. <laughs> Maybe you had somebody like this in your fucking family. Maybe you lost somebody like that. You know how hard it is to let go. If you got a story out there, go ahead and call me. I'm at 206-666-5847. If you need me, by the way, you're listening to a Judas Priest, Defenders of the Faith, an FC 39219, Canada, 1984. Seen better days. Pretty awesome artwork, always. Runs about 15 bucks. I wouldn't let it go for under fucking 15 grand. You guys can kiss my ass, I'll never let this shit go. Keep in touch.
and I'll be back. I got a couple more flatliner shows to release before six season six. Talk to you then. You've been listening to Adam Air MD GED Underground Cartoon Therapy. This episode is respectfully dedicated to my uncle Jeff. Rest in peace. The biggest Three Stooges fan that ever lived. See you there, man. <laughs>